0: While the coal industry of Appalachia has been in decline in recent years, much of the economy of Southwest Virginia continues to rely on fossil fuel production and fossil fuel energy plants. As the region faces government deadlines for the closure of these plants, Appalachian Voices is working in coal areas through a program called Just Transition to help local economies adapt to new workforce and business realities. Robert Kale is the new economy program manager with Appalachian Voices. He joins me today by telephone to talk about the subject. Thank you for joining me today, Robert. Thanks,
1: Dirk. It's always a pleasure to chat with you.
0: Yes, this is like the third time I think I've had you on my show, and it's always enlightening.
1: Yeah, I keep changing jobs, so (laughs) uh, maybe this should be um, my last time or a time I can just
0: dive deeper with um, Appalachian Voices. Well, it's not that you're changing jobs, it's that your career is expanding, which is what something I want to talk about it, the impressive trajectory of your career. But let's talk first about Just Transition, uh, which is the main subject that we want to delve into today. Describe what Just Transition is and what you're seeking to accomplish with this initiative.
1: Yeah, um, just again, thanks for having me in. It- Thanks for allowing Appalachian Voices to be able to talk about um, the work that we do, and especially the work that we have coming up in the next legislative session in Virginia. But um, a just transition is really just a framework that considers how we shift from an extractive fossil fuel economy to a more sustainable and diversified economy. So a just transition centers workers and communities. And this is really important because, you know, workers are also parents and coaches and shoppers and citizens, and the communities and economies that surround workers are a part of a larger ecosystem that needs a holistic shift in order to be healthy and sustainable. So our Just Transition Initiative is for the state to invest in capacity building for energy communities so they can effectively shift their economies. And of course, you know, we know that the coal fields are pretty desperate for these investments and capacity resources, but there are other energy burdened communities across the state, including 40-plus communities that have fossil fuel power plants. Um, the Virginia Clean Economy Act um, mandates that all Virginia fossil fuel-generated power plants close by 2050. This includes the natural gas, coal, oil, and biomass. Um, there is no current comprehensive study um, or understanding of what happens to the workers and communities where these plants are and all of the supply chains feeding these plants. Since there's no comprehensive understanding of of the impacts to workers, there's no understanding of what happens to the surrounding community when they lose the tax revenue generated by these plants. So we're seeking... um, at most an office of just energy that would add more capacity to either DHCD or Virginia Energy um, to provide um, local planning districts and localities um, more um, capacity and resources as they seek federal funds to diversify their economies and to mitigate the environmental harm caused by the extractive industry and the decommissioning of these power plants. We want to see the state set up resources for displaced workers as well and take advantage of federal funds that will make their way into the Commonwealth because of the once in a lifetime generational um, opportunity coming from the federal government and the Build Back Better
0: plan and the most recent um, infrastructure plan. I'm sorry, Robert. You were saying that we don't really have a comprehensive study of the economic impacts. Do we know how many workers though would be impacted? Yeah, um,
1: you know we we know there are around, I think ten thousand workers in the uh, power plant fossil fuel industry. Again, those workers aren't necessarily like at the plants. So it's like a whole supply chain there. Um, a good example is um, the Virginia City Hybrid Energy Center, which is, Located in um, St. Paul, Virginia, uh, that um, is uh, a, a, a hybrid plant. They burn both coal, gob, and biomass there. Um, that plant has around 150 workers, um, and it has a, a relative like um, eight and a half million dollar tax revenue for um, the um, for Wise County, and around a forty million dollar like um, economic impact for the region. So like you know, times that by uh, 40 across the state, you can really get the vision of the impact of what it will be like to to take these power plants offline. And by no means are we trying to say, you know, don't do this. What we're trying to say through the lens of a just transition is that um, these communities deserve to have the opportunity to diversify their economies, to move from um, fossil fuel industry into the 21st century clean economy, and that that won't happen without um, dedicated stewardship and resources. Um, otherwise, we'll see just another cycle of bust and boom for our communities. And, and we've invested so much in um, the energy sector so far; we deserve to be able to have a transition that really captures our ability to set ourselves up for future success.
0: And when you say deserve, I guess that's what you mean by a just transition, that there's justice that's being served by helping in this transition.
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, Beyond just deserving, I mean, we have to look at the the holistic impact of being um, an extractive sort of – Monopoly economy, right? Is that you know workers um, haven't been um, invested in in terms of the ways in which they can diversify what they, um, what jobs they can enter into, the the types of surrounding social support needed for those communities, including childcare and other education opportunities. Um, so, just means um, justice and equity are at the center of the transition, and that. Um, energy communities
0: should have priority in um, in the new economy. Among the approaches, or perhaps the chief approach that you're taking to achieve this, is through legislation or support from legislators. Is that right to assume?
1: I think um, yes and no. Really, I, I, there are uh, the, our particular focus right now is on legislation that would help um, you know um, provide extra capacity from the state for these communities. Um, it's a response, really, to the Clean Economy Act that mandates and has a timeline for transitioning the Commonwealth from the use of fossil fuels. Um, but there are there are other approaches um, that we take as an office um, and as a program, and I, I can dive deeper into those, but right now we do see a desperate need for um, energy communities to so just have uh, a comprehensive understanding of what it is
0: what it means to lose one of these power plants. The support that you seek from lawmakers, though, seems like should be forthcoming. When you talk about coal country and you talk about workers, it seems like there should be, from the rhetoric you hear from our politicians, a general agreement that coal workers need to be supported. So would you anticipate any resistance in the help that you would need from these lawmakers?
1: You know, I think... um, energy worker support is a bipartisan issue. I think there are lots of lawmakers out there who want to see um, workers have access to job training and, and um, workforce development initiatives. I think, you know, when you zoom down into how to transition an economy that is built on coal and other fossil fuels into a clean, more sustainable economy built on, say, solar and wind... Um, you, you hit some, some resistance on how quickly you should do that, how you mitigate the, um, the consequences of doing that, like displaced workers, like lost tax revenue, and who should be driving the conversation. You know, is it, is it equitable and fair for communities in, say, Northern Virginia or on the coast to be setting the timeline for, you know, the, the transitioning economy of Southwest Virginia? So we can't say across the board that, um, that even framing it as a just transition is like bipartisan, but we can say that, you know, the market in Virginia itself has a timeline to transition and, and as an advocacy organization that believes in equity, we want to frame it that way because uh, we believe that the workers and communities in the coal fields deserve to be at, at the table and have their livelihoods and their communities centered in the conversation.
0: Well, I want to talk then about the workers, and this may get into the other approaches that you're taking. Have you been in dialogue with many workers? Do they support what you're doing? Are they helping to generate the ideas for this transition?
1: Yeah, so I think um, we, we do have state partners who work more closely with um, energy workers. Um, Blue-Green Alliance is one of those organizations, and, um, and I would say we have relationships with community members, and those community members are often linked with um, workers in the extractive industry. Um, are do we have workers who come and sit with us at every meeting? That's unfortunately no. Um, but um, we do take what we believe to be their priorities and based on national um, conversations with workers unions and and the work that they drive in other states, we're able to really sort of um, be the best advocates we can be.
0: You talked about 2050 as being the deadline for the removal of fossil fuel plants. Does that seem pretty far off and, and perhaps create less of an urgency among the people you're trying to work with?
1: Yeah, I think that that is um, partly true. That the urgency doesn't seem to be tomorrow. Although, if you look at President Biden's um, agenda, he he would like to see the U.S. economy um, transition by 2035. Um, our newly elected Governor Junkin, I think, um, thinks that that tr- that timeline is is too soon. But really, as much as that timeline is set by legislators. It, it, the, the market sets a different timeline. And we, we know that the market has already um, begun to phase out coal. Um, Virginia's power plants are predominantly powered by um, natural gas, and solar and wind are really taking off. They're much more affordable. They're much more accessible. So workers understand these transitions, and the timeline is a part of what I think drives the urgency. And ultimately, the reason we want it to be a just transition, right, is because we don't want um, to have to wake up one morning and realize that uh, we've been given a 30-day notice that our power plant is closing and somehow we need to imagine what's next for those workers, what's next for the, that tax revenue what's next for the economic well-being of our community. So a just transition says, actually the state should be invested in a timeline that starts now and gives us 20 plus years to be able to really comprehensively move our
0: economy. Well, I wonder if the market timeline is perhaps your most persuasive argument because if the energy economy is changing and other regions are adapting and we're not, then we could lose a competitive advantage in the market. Yeah,
1: I mean that's so true. But you have to convince folks who have been entrenched in a political world dominated by coal that they should they should feel a sense of urgency, mm-hmm. um, which is a part of the work that we do. We elevate that, those concerns. But speaking specifically to the 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 um, the hybrid plant that we have in Wise County, Dominion uses that plant around less than 20 percent of the time to provide extra capacity for folks who live outside of our region and there's a case in front of the state commission state um, corporate commission that will decide if dominion can continue to charge their customers uh, extra to have this power plant online our state delegation fought really hard to get that power plant um, excluded from the mandatory timeline of other fossil fuel power plants. But the reality is, if Dominion C, if they lose the case and or it becomes more profitable for them to close this plant, no matter how much they've messaged to the community that this plant will be open to 2045, the reality is the market itself will shut down that plant. Um, we fought hard um, in uh, a previous legislative session to make sure that uh, these power plants give communities an effective notice. And even as hard as we fought, we were only able to get a 30-day notice from the time the, um, the plant has um, made the decision to close to informing the community. And there are a few other stakeholder processes involved in that, but imagine um, uh, like within a month, we could be told that a power plant that has such a large economic impact for our community is closing. Mm-hmm. And we've we've had no real conversation about what's next.
0: Robert Kell, we are going to go to a break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Appalachian Voices and sort of broaden the lens a little bit uh, regarding the work that that organization is doing. I'm talking today with Robert Kell. He is the new economy program manager for Appalachian Voices. We are talking about a program called Just Transition, which seeks to help communities in the coal field transition to new forms of energy economies. And you are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you are listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of southwest Virginia. The support for Together To Get There comes from People Incorporated, one of the largest community action agencies in the country. For 55 years, People Incorporated has helped communities and individuals build good futures and realize their dreams. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am talking to Robert Kale. He is the new economy program manager for Appalachian Voices. We've been talking about a program called Just Transition, which seeks to help people in the coal field communities transition to a new non-fossil fuel economy. And Robert, I want to talk a little bit more about Appalachian Voices and talk perhaps first about how the work of Just Transition fits into the overall mission of Appalachian Voices. Could you explain that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Appalachian Voices is a nonprofit organization that envisions um, an Appalachia with healthy ecosystems and resilient local economies um, that allow all of our communities and um, people to thrive. And we've been doing this work for 25 years, um, and our work spans across, um, Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee, but we have deep, committed relationships with partners across all of Central Appalachia. Um, and again, you know, um, Just Transition is a framework, and I think it's actually the framework that drives um, all of our work, um, that has this nexus of shifting from fossil fuels to a clean 21st century economy. Um, so within that frame of Just Transition, we fight mountaintop removal, um, coal mining, um, fracked gas pipelines, and other harms um, to the people and places of Appalachia. We advance energy efficiency, um, solar and wind power, um, other economic solutions that create community wealth and sustain um, our mountains, forests, and waters. And we do this across four objectives. Um, the objective that I work most closely with is building a new economy. Um, Our other objectives are addressing the the impacts of coal, um, preventing investments in fossil fuels, and ultimately transforming our energy system. Again, um, Just Transition is is the framework that drives that, centering um, energy communities and workers, and, and helping to ensure that their voices and livelihoods are front and center in the conversation.
0: Well, we've talked a lot about energy workers, but really the people you're trying to impact goes beyond that. It's a whole economic ecosystem that really is in your sights in terms of impact. Is that the way you would describe it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, um, our just transition campaign right now is a legislative campaign aiming to get more capacity for energy communities as um, power plants and their um, communities close down as, the, as coal mines continue to, to close. But You know, we have a whole other slate of work that we do through our office. A lot of it is very innovative. And um, one of our programs is working with the Abandoned Mine Land Economic Revalorization Program, which is an Appalachian Regional Commission program. And um, through that program, we help basically any community member, any community organization or stakeholder group who has a a creative idea of how to repurpose abandoned mine land. Um, will help them um, generate their grants and build capacity for their work and and do our best to see them succeed. Um, another place that our um, new economy focuses is really on building out a solar um, economy in southwest Virginia. Um, so much success has happened over the last um, five years since we started that work, and so many investments are, are, are being made, including um, we just got awarded a one and a half billion um, ARC grant to start a solar finance fund to help um, local organizations, um, municipals, um, it, um, be able to take that um, step toward getting solar on their buildings and cutting their energy costs, which, one, creates jobs, and, two, keeps local revenue and tax resources um, local to do
0: more with. As you're doing this work and as you're succeeding, though, are the people on the ground, the the residents, the workers, acknowledging the impact that this organization is having, or do they just appreciate that it's happening?
1: I think it's a it's a mix. Um, residents who are choosing to go solar, um, I think you know they, they definitely support our work and our initiatives. Um, we're in deep relationship with them. Um, workers are, I think. Um, acknowledge that um, there are um, shifts happening, transitions happening in our economy, and, um, and coal is you know, not hiring more and more workers. They're laying off more and more workers. Um, but a part of the work that we do is um, trying to build um, the, the, the necessary blocks of transitioning an economy. And we focus on solar because there were lots of opportunities, and, and one of the, our recent um, partners is the Lonesome Pine Solar, and as these solar projects go online, this organization is able to hire more and more workers um, to be able to install um, not only residential solar, but um, commercial and utility solar so um, it's been really slow. but I think the more announcements that we've been able to make, um, it, it, folks, I think are, are can see that this transition is possible, and um, and and can lean into the type of advocacy that we've been doing, which is how do we prepare our communities for the next economic phase um, that will hopefully provide generations um, solid
0: well-paying livelihood. Now I want to take this scope and narrow it very dramatically to talk about you because not just because I want the listeners to know more about you, but I want them to know about how someone like you has the perspective that you have and on the issues that we're talking about and also the desire to work toward a better uh, Southwest Virginia. And you tell me where I'm wrong about what I'm going to say about you, but you are a graduate of Marion High School. You went to the University of Virginia, I believe, and you majored in, I think, political science. And Mm -hmm. then you worked for an organization called Sprouting Hope. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then you Mm -hmm. moved from there to Virginia Organizing, then you went to Vanderbilt University where you got a um, Master of Divinity degree. a, yeah, a, DM. Like a
1: degree <laughs>
0: Yes, and with a focus, I think, on like economic justice or something like that. Yeah. And so now you are with Appalachian Voices. So I did a pretty good job, I think, of recalling your life, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I think so.
1: Um, probably better than my parents could do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that is all to say that you have really been engaged in this work from a very young age, and you are very young still. And that is interesting to me because I think what this region lacks sometimes is the energy of young people. And I'm wondering if you are finding more people of youth, especially people from this area, who are engaged, if not professionally in the organization that you're doing, are engaged in the efforts that you're trying to make.
1: Yeah, I, I actually I think it... Um... And then I think about my colleagues at Appalachian Voices and the folks out of my office, they're all relatively young. Um, and the vast majority of us um, are from the region and um, even educated in the region, which I think is um, a really profound thing that we need to elevate that we have amazing colleges here that can really um, train young people for vocational um, lives um, here. But I you know, my own journey was I didn't know what economic prospects, vocational prospects were going to be here for me. And I just had a taste to see and experience the world. But what I found out in the world was that I had a longing to be back home. I had a longing to be near my family. I had a longing to be in the mountains. And um, I just took a chance really and came back and was able to find um, a nonprofit that was at the nexus of my own interests and passions. And that really launched me into a career thinking about not only social justice in the mountains, but economic development in the mountains. Um, And and that's how I ended up here. But I would actually say over the course of my work, which is is really sort of broad, but um, I think at the center of it is community organizing. Every generation um, is represented, actually. I, I think there are lots of folks who, are young, who who are demanding, you know, new economies to folks who are retired and, and are no longer engaged in, um, you know, vocational discernment, but like are deeply committed to ensuring that the generations, um, that are coming have access to decent lives and, 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 and believe that climate change is worth, um, like, um, putting front and center that, that, that have seen, um, you know, the economic ups and downs of our region and and, um, create space for young people to be at the table. So um, I think at one point in my career, I would say um, older folks were in the way um, and not allowing younger folks to take the reins. But I would say now that I've matured in this work, that there's
0: a deep, um, committed conversation between all generations to, to see this work happen. Well, another interesting part of your career at this point was your Master of Divinity degree, and I find that fascinating. I wonder, too, if that has some real resonance in the lives of the people that you're working with, because we are a very faith-based region, and, and I'm wondering if people approach the work you're doing from a faith perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, I went to Divinity School because I had my own spiritual calling around this work, and I really wanted to be able to understand for myself how my faith could um, could guide my work and sustain my work. But more deeply, in my heart, I am a community organizer, which means I want to bring folks who are directly impacted by any issue I want them to be at the table, defining the solutions and building power for themselves in their community. Um, and I think that's a deeply spiritual project. And I think a common language that I often find with people in Appalachia in Southwest Virginia is a, a faith lens. And I think, um, no matter your faith or even lack of faith, there there's there is an um, existential, almost esoteric sort of feeling that. We have to be involved in how change is made in the world, and and you know I'm a Christian and I, I deeply believe in the Gospels, and I believe that um, in order to make change, you have to be side by side with your neighbor, and you have to ensure that the least of these, um, and sometimes the least of these is a coal miner who doesn't get to see sunlight because they're working all day, or a um, uh, you know a, a fast food worker who can barely afford the food that they serve, um, through the drive through, or, you know, um, uh, some, um, um, a person who has a medical need, but they, um, barely disqualified for Medicaid. All of those voices, um, deserve to have their issue put front, front centered and be a part of the movement to make the change. And, um, and that's why I went to Divinity School economic justice in order to be able to come out and be able to um, be motivated for my own work, but also be able to have conversations with other people who might have that same background and perspective.
0: Thank you for sharing your voice with us today. We have been talking today with Robert Kell. He is the new economy program manager for Appalachian Voices. Uh, Thanks again, Robert, for being with me. Yeah, thank you, Dirk. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. And I am your host, Burke Moore. And you are also listening to WEHC 90.7, The Voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.